<laughs> oh my god, why do you do that to me every time we start? What? She drops a little bit of the funny and then I start laughing. <laughs> and then I fail to point out in a timely fashion that it is the 25th of May, 2016. This is the third episode of our seventh season. Yes, it is. Of the Soybean Pest Podcast. How you doing, Aaron? I'm doing okay. It's kind of a rainy day, so I had plans to be outside and set up a few cages, but we're inside podcasting. Ah. What were you going to cage? I'm setting up a, a large walk-in cage at the demonstration farm um, called Feel. It's in mm-hmm. between Ames and Boone, and I'm going to be doing some... So this going to be like the petting zoo of death? You're going to have a lot of stinging insects It's going to be like Thunderdome, yeah. as I think a previous student called it. <laughs> um, so at Feel, I have probably 10 different clinics that I'm doing, but you're right. I'm doing one whole day, just insects. And attack corn. And, and it's going to focus on corn. So we're starting from early season corn pests, of course, like black cutworm, uh, wireworm, some of the things that we've been talking about in our podcast. But then we're also going to be focusing focusing most of our time on those that kind of attack the ear. I would imagine this would be a very popular workshop. You know, I don't know. We're going to also we're going to be doing some root injury assessments from corn rootworm. Oh I'm going to try and get some yeah. aphids going on yeah. corn because that's... Yeah especially in the northern counties, that's a, a pest that's a pain in the butt for people. And so that the day that that's happening is July 29th. Okay. And it's at Feel, and registration is open, I think, as of yesterday. So Will you I, have a link to yeah, this? Yeah, I can put a little... link on that, and yeah. then it's $150, but we're going to have some good food um, throughout the day. And you're going to walk away with a lot of swag. Um, stuff we all get. Stuff we all get, and you're going to want this swag because it's going to be pretty nice. Sweet. I must, I must say. Yeah, no, you, Ed, you, Ed you're say. known for your swag. Yeah, and so I'm pretty excited about it. I haven't had Some a full day swag. dedicated to just you know entomology mm-hmm. in about three years. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's great. Now I should say it's not just me. Uh, I'm going to have Dr. Marlon Rice. He worked hey, at Iowa State. Yeah, he worked at Iowa State for what, almost 20 years. He uh, had 20 years, not he, almost. 20 years. 20 years, and he spent, I think it was Six? almost eight years with um, DuPont Pioneer. Okay. So, And now he's uh, back in the game. Yeah, he's got his own business. Yep. yep. So, he, that, so of course, he has a lot of experience when it comes to Corn Fest. So he's going to be um, doing a lot of demonstrations and helping me throughout the day. That's fantastic. Yeah. I might even sign up for that. Do it. I don't know nothing about the LEPs, that are, the moths that yeah. attack corn yeah we're gonna have like different kinds of traps out there for people to yeah. you know if they want to be doing any of their own trapping people can see how those traps work and oh, everything. that's cool so, yeah i might have my students go to that anyway yeah the, hey so that's one agenda item yeah off our, how about uh pest updates crop planting what do we know yeah well i got a little share okay um go ahead well <laughs> go first all right so um excuse me two no last week Last week, uh, we went out to some of our on-farm research sites where we're going to explore um, the impact of pollinators on soybean yield and also where we're going to be releasing the parasitoid wasp that uh, attacks soybean aphids. And in order to do this, we had to plant aphid-susceptible and aphid-resistant soybeans in these fields. Aphid-resistant because when we're looking at pollinators, we don't want the aphid to influence the yield, so we use aphid resistance. For the parasitoid, aphid susceptible, because we need some aphids out there to see if the parasitoid wasps attacks the aphid and, and will They need sustain. something to eat. They do. 
They do. So we were planting out in fields. And it was really interesting because I think we visited 10 fields in Story County. Uh, and it's, you know, one, well, Story and Boone County. It's just a couple of counties and, and really just a handful of fields. But it gave me a sense of the what farmers are dealing with right now when it comes to planting, at least soybeans. I think as of last week, we're at around 50%. Of, at the beginning of last week, we were around 50% of beans planted. Um, we saw everything from beans at the um, getting to the V1 stage, you know, just starting to put on that trifoliate, just that first barely, one, yeah. um, to seeds literally laying on the ground and uh, bare, where uh, some compaction had occurred, and it may be a function of farmers getting into the field when it was wet and the ground you know, kind of hardening up after the machinery went over it. And uh, yeah, not all of those seeds getting covered the way they probably should. But um, yeah, so some things have emerged, some things you know have yet to be planted. But um, it was interesting. Yeah. But I, I'm yeah. guessing we're further along now. Although we've had rain. Yeah, there hasn't off. been a lot of uh, uh, workable or suitable days for mm-hmm. field work since. Um, you know, it's been a couple of days each Since week. Since our last podcast. Yeah, there yeah. hasn't been too many. And you're right, I think, when it comes to corn, I think most of the corn has been planted, and, and certainly some people are completely done. Um, others, particularly in northwest Iowa, it's just been too wet. I've heard this, yeah. And so Stay now they're the like, yeah, yeah. It, it, at this point, they're going. They're, the thoughts are of switching to soybean, you know, yeah. that they're not going to plant corn in June. And so and when it comes to soybean, you're right, some people are done there's there's fields that have emerged and they're doing well and others that you know they just planted and they haven't germinated or haven't come out of the ground yet Mm -hmm. so um when i talk to the field agronomists you know most of them are pretty happy with the moisture they're happy with how things are going plant progress and everything and others are just waiting they're waiting for things you know so that they can get in the fields and also i mean this is a soybean pest podcast but just uh, fyi think a lot of the the farmers that have alfalfa they are uh had their first cutting oh really yeah Already. so yeah I, I, sorry that's me manipulating things and uh if you know me yeah and aaron does yeah i can't just sit still so I, the only reason i bring that up is because i had a few of the field agronomists reported p aphids uh, oh. on on alfalfa and they, and they were, knew it was p aphid well they they asked me okay um, but there's like people like brian lang who's very yeah. familiar um with some of the forages and forage pests uh-huh. so he you know knows what they look like but um angie Rekins, who is kind of like north central iowa she uh-huh. has a couple of farmers that um it was substantial numbers of p aphids and so the farmers were like should i treat should i just cut you know yeah. they had those kinds yeah. of questions and i think it was it was big enough and ready basically to cut and bale up so you know they prevented that right. that insecticide treatment so i just bring that up just because it seems like at least in some areas aphids are doing well yeah and i noticed you had on here another item yeah uh, talking about aphids so you and i were walking was it back from a meeting let's say it was a meeting we're walking back from a meeting or getting a coke <laughs> We were Could getting be. some exercise, and we got something to drink on campus. And uh, we were walking through a courtyard, and I, I noticed this because my feet sounded like I was peeling tape mm-hmm. off of Yeah, ripping tape. Yeah. Yep. And uh, above me was a tree, and the 
this is a common phenomenon. We've talked about this, I think, every spring where yeah. you park under a car, or you park under a car, you park a car under a tree and you get sticky your coating on the car and then you get like this like dark mold kind of grown on it. And this is a function of aphids or scale insects excreting honeydew that just rains down from those trees onto a car or onto the pavement. Mm-hmm. And man, it was, it was intense on that. The know, stick campus. was incredible. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I just, wish we, I wish we knew what tree it was, but what's, yeah, but, yeah, but I mean, it, yeah, but I, I'm noticing this under my Oak tree where yeah. I, I park my car. Um, and it's, I don't know if it's unusual for a time of year. Or, um, I think it's probably pretty normal, but it just gives me some idea that yeah. yeah, aphids are out and active at least on trees, and then you know once whatever plants emerge, uh, annual plants like corn and soybean emerge, some of those species may be moving over. Um, however, on the plus side, I think we did hear from a colleague. You heard from a colleague up in Wisconsin that. Um, when they went out looking for soybean aphids on buckthorn, the woody tree that they overwinter on, real hard time finding any, yeah. right? Yeah, they had a hard time finding the uh, aphids when they, you, you know, the usual spots that they hit, um, Dave Hogg and Dave Boltland, they kind of do a little circuit every spring, and they had a hard time finding aphids, soybean aphids this year. Yeah. So um, I know you don't always believe in this, but there's this pattern of odd years, like, 2015 to 2017 being years when we would typically see an aphid outbreak on soybeans even years like a 2016 um, that's now would be you'd anticipate a low year um, low probability of an uh, aphid outbreak in soybeans so that's consistent right with that that trend not a lot of aphids being found in the spring so probably very few making it to soybeans however um there is no way, and I think they would readily admit this, the two days, there's no way that they can make predictions based on those visits yeah. about what the, the threat is. Um, I mean, because they're, they're surveying a few states. I don't know how intensely they would survey, like Minnesota, yeah. which has quite a bit of buckthorn, and I believe a lot of overwintering for soybean aphid happens there. Yeah. And no problem getting to Iowa from Minnesota, Wisconsin, you know, all those states. There's just too much buckthorn and too much variability. I mean, the patches yeah. that they find are few and far between of the aphids. So yeah. it's more, uh, I think they're doing it for sort of just understanding better how the aphid overwinters, but not as a way of predicting whether we're going to have aphid outbreaks in soybeans. Yeah. So I did see last night, I went to the ISU Hort Farm. They had a uh, crimper demonstration on soybeans cereal rye which oh, yeah. was uh, yeah. fantastic to watch but anyway when they were getting ready to fire up the crimper i was walking through some of the unmanaged areas and noticed mummies aphid mummies on red clover and oh. i took a picture of one and you could see like the little escape hatch in the back it was the like the brown light brown puffy okay. mummy and so i saw a few of those on clover yeah. yeah yeah so um maybe one thing to kind of end on is you mentioned, or I, I, I talked about the release of the aphid parasitoid that we're going to do this summer for soybean aphids, and that's a an aphid, that's a wasp that produces a mummy in a in the soybean aphid that's black and kind of shiny, and the um, I've heard it described as a football. It's kind of mm-hmm. oval shaped. It's not yep. that puffed up look like maybe the brown yeah. ones you were seeing. Um, so uh, just kind of a fun thing to do if you're out looking at aphids to see the different 
types of mummies, and that represents different species of parasitoids that are attacking. Mm-hmm. And then one last thing, I heard this on the news last night. I'm curious if you heard about this. Um, you know, there are parasitoids that attack other insects, right? They're not just parasitoids attack aphids. There's been a release in Iowa of parasitoid wasps that go after... Emerald ash borer. Yeah. Did you hear about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess this is the first time this year that this has been done. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything more about that? I really don't know anything more than they've had some releases. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't even know what kind of wasp it is or how closely related it is to some of the aphid parasitoids. But yeah, not, Probably not at all. Yeah. But the, um, the I had heard about this um, at one of our national ESA meetings that USDA scientists had done the foreign exploration in Asia, where the emerald ash borer is from, and we're looking at their um, potential for um, providing suppression of the beetle in the United States. And they've done some releases in um, Michigan and Ohio. I just, I, I was uh, kind of surprised that we were so lucky or fortunate to have the releases going on here. I mean, it'll take years, yeah. maybe, for this to have uh, an immediate impact, but, you know, we're... we're at the cutting edge little of the, the invasion. And if you can get a population of those established, that could go a long way in preventing or, or at least slowing the emerald ash borer's progression across the United States. I wonder if Mark Schauer would know more about the release program. Maybe we should bring him on. Might be interesting. Ah. Yeah. Future guests. Yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to talk about just briefly about some of the pest activity that I've been hearing about in soybeans. Oh, yeah. yeah and so um, some of the things that I've been seeing a little bit of and then also hearing about it from the field agronomists is um, sea corn maggot, which is something I don't normally think about. But in those fields where um, tillage, uh, manure, uh, other factors make certain fields attractive for sea corn maggot egg laying. So there's been a little bit of that type of injury. Um, black cutworm continues to be, you know, all kind of scattered throughout mm-hmm. Iowa. So mm-hmm. you'll notice uh, little uh, jagged edges in, like you were talking about, V1, V2 soybean, or like the pinholes. You might see that in, in the corn. corn. Yeah. And then what other things? I, you know, just very, very few bean leaf beetles, but people are, you know, telling me that they've been seeing bean leaf beetle. Seems like it would be late in the year for those to have an impact on the early planted or just you know, planted yeah. soybean. Yeah. Is that your sense too? Yeah, I mean, I think, but there's still a lot of soybean that hasn't emerged yet. So, because oh, right, um, right. the ground's been. Too yeah, cold and so I, you know, there's a few, but I don't. I mean, it's not like a, a not like an outbreak or anything. Mm-hmm. But people, you know, just notice them when they're out there, kind of assessing stands and everything else. So, just some of those, uh, I just wanted to highlight as far as being active in Iowa right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Anything else? Um, I think we've hit the highlights. We're good. Yeah. So we'll come back next week, and then in two weeks, we're off to the branch meeting. Cleveland rocks. Yep. Okay. Bye. Bye.